Hello, everyone. Welcome to the California Association of Tactical Officers podcast, where we discuss a variety of SWAT-related topics. We believe tactics are a science, and the art is in how we apply those tactics. My name is Marcus Sprague. And I'm Brent Stratton. In this episode of the Cato Podcast, I got a chance to sit down and talk with Nick Sprague, president of the Rocky Mountain Tactical Team Association. He joined us at the conference this year and even brought along some material to help be able to present so that way Cato could learn a little bit about some of the challenges that are being faced in Colorado. This was a great opportunity for our associations to get to spend a little bit of time together, trade information, and we're looking forward to being able to work together in the future. Hope you enjoy. And I would like to take a moment to thank two Cato Gold sponsors for supporting the work that Cato does throughout California. Thank you to NAG Industries and Aardvark Tactical. NAG Industries is a premier provider for a variety of government sales products like Vortex Optics, Garmin, Streamlight, and many other brands. From breaching tools and training to the latest in pickleball gear, there's a good chance NAG Industry carries it. Check them out at nagindustries.com. I would also like to thank Aardvark Tactical, who's been a steadfast supporter for many years. While Aardvark is famous for their signature Project 7 scalable plate carrier system, Sejin Robot, Low-Key Drone, and Kinetic Breaching Tool, they also offer customized integrated solutions to meet a wide variety of supply needs, such as complete crowd control kits, IED detection, less lethal, and many others. To learn more, check out aardvarktactical.com. Welcome to another episode of the Cato Podcast. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, depending on how you feel, I don't have my partner, Marcus Sprague here, but I've traded him in for a much better Sprague, a smarter Sprague, a much more handsome Sprague, definitely a taller Sprague, probably a better cop Sprague too. So Nick Sprague, welcome to the Cato Podcast. Thanks. Thanks for that introduction. I don't know about all that. I met Marcus, great dude. So I'll try to live up and fill his shoes. Yeah, we only say good things about him um, away from him, but when he can hear it, I just want him to know we are only talking shit. I love it. All right, yeah. Great. We that was the the first thing we told Nick when he showed up is like, hey man, you might want to cover up your last name because I'm not sure how many of the people in the membership actually like Marcus and you don't want to be associated with him. Yeah, I've got a couple of people offering me tape or markers, and that's <laughs> it's going around for sure. Thanks for making the trip to uh, the Cato Conference. So we're coming uh, to you from the Cato Conference 2022. We're in Reno. This year, the conference has been great. We are starting day two, and uh, training seems to be going well. Everybody seems to be having a good time, so it's a good chance to be here. So, Nick, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and how our paths have crossed. Yeah, my home agency is uh, Broomfield, Colorado. It sits right between Denver and uh, Boulder, for those of you that are familiar with Colorado. Been there all 19 years of my career. Um, started SWAT in uh, 2015. I was on the team for two years, to, then I became a sniper, I was a sniper for a year, became the sniper team lead. Uh, just recently got promoted to commander in uh, 2000, uh, March this year. And so I'm co-commanding the team with another one of my buddies until I can get the uh, team lead position for sniper taken over. Then I'll be full time with him doing the commander stuff. So I'm kind of doing dual roles. But back in 2018, I joined Rocky Mountain Tactical Team Association as uh, secretary, or sorry, treasurer there and really worked up my um, the ranks to president. Now I took over president last year, and it's just um, the backstory. We started in 1988, I believe, roughly. A couple guys just throwing a group, you know, hey, let's get together, get some training going, and uh, did it for all the right reasons. Um, but when I took over as president, it's um, a bunch of cops who started an organization, so you really start 
taking that deep dive into everything. And you're like, oh man, we're, we got to change some things. So really how our paths have crossed is that we used to just do one training conference. Our annual training conference was three days. We'd have a vendor show, train for two days, and then we'll see you guys again next year, have a couple of meetings throughout the, the year. And um, we called it good. Um, when I became vice president, I started talking to uh, uh, some other associations, really started with Ohio and Pat out in Ohio, and he's kind of been a huge mentor for me. Man, he's and, been great. When I first took over, too, he reached out and said a lot of really great and kind things, and he's just been he's been awesome. And I, I have, uh, I've tuned in and listened to some of the um, Texas Association's podcasts, and I hear them talking about Pat as well. Pat's starting to be a He's a legend. legend. Yeah, hundred percent a legend. And it's funny because I was um I reached out to him. We met at NTOA one year and just uh exchanged phone numbers and emails and uh he's like, Hey, um why don't you come out to the conference? And I'm like, Oh, Ohio, great. I'll you know, come out Cincinnati, Cleveland. He's like, It's in Sandusky. Where's Sandusky? Right? <laughs> it's not an easy place to get to. So you fly in and have to drive an hour, but um uh, they were great to me. I rolled out the red carpet when I went. I shadowed them, shadowed them for the whole week and made some changes and then uh, talked to the guys down at Texas Tactical and trying to get down there and then reached out to you guys. You know, um, our paths crossed, unfortunately, through yeah. kind of a tragedy. But you and Marcus have been great and invited us out to see it and, you know, came out Tuesday, met with you guys, and, and you guys have been just as great. So it's just starting that with Pat and reaching out and seeing what else is out there, right? We We, we should be doing that with everything that we do and we're trying to prevent from being very incestuous in our in our association because that doesn't do anybody any members of our association any good yeah kind of an inbreeding of thought that happens until we can get outside of uh outside of our own walls and man it's really funny to you say that too because it's very easy for um organize, organizations like these to attract you know people in their agency who are tacticians and you know SWAT cops and people who are um really excellent in that regard. It's not always conducive with people running um, a nonprofit organization, which, you know, there's not a, a ton of difference between a nonprofit and a for-profit. You know, we all come from governmental agencies where on July 1st, uh, you know, or whenever your fiscal year is, you get money to manage throughout right. um, the course of the year. It's a little bit different when you have to make the money <laughs> to be able to put on the trainings and to make the things happen and make sure the taxes are filed and make sure the paperwork's done and your workers' comp is dialed in. And there's a lot of work that goes into running an organization and, and making sure those things are taken care of. So what you're describing, I think, is not um, it's not unique to you guys, man, so don't feel bad about that at all. It's, it's uh, a lot of work, and as a matter of fact, it's been about two years since Marcus and I have been uh, – you know, fortunate enough to volunteer to to kind of lead Cato, and it's taken me every bit of that time to be able to get my feet underneath me and understand where our organization is without, you know, and I've not done a very good job of being able to reach outside of our state. That's definitely a goal of mine this year is to build um, those relationships, and, uh, you know, that's, I planned on you know, reaching out to you and to, to Pat. Pat called me very early on, and, and I said, man, I'd love to catch up with you, and I've, I've never been able to circle back with him. But I'm starting to have, I want to have those conversations with Arizona and Texas. And, um, you know, the NTOA has been very gracious, especially this year with the unfortunate passing of Sid Hale and um, what that meant to us and to our organization. That, that's definitely a goal of mine to, to reach out and to, to build those, those professional relationships and those friendships. And so, quite honestly, man, you're the first one that uh, I get a chance to, to hang out with. And, you know, it did come up unfortunate. Um, we have one of our officers who is a personal friend as well, Andrew Peary left our agency and um, moved to um, Colorado 
and worked at the El Paso County Sheriff's Office and was uh, was killed in the line of duty, unfortunately, this year. And so right after that, I know I'd, I'd reached out to you and I said, hey, I, I need to know who the president is of the, the Rocky Mountain Association so I could reach out to him. And, and I was able to, to get your contact information and, and reached out to that way I had a point of contact there. And that was kind of what what started our, our, our friendship. So um, I appreciate that. And, um, and I'm glad you guys were able to, to come out and meet with you and Barry and and talk and good stuff's coming, man. Yeah, it's been great. And, you know, you touched on that, that volunteer piece, right? Is that um, the biggest thing is it, it is that, that volunteer and giving your time and you got to be really dedicated to the profession and the community um, because president to president, you know, uh, I saw you on Tuesday and I we just finished ours in August. So I know what you're, you're going through is all that you're given is volunteer and it's not paid and you have that the way to of the whole association on your shoulders of like, okay, are we going to make it <laughs> this yeah. year? Right. We still, yeah. we're still doing good yeah, enough. You're to wagering, push through. you're wagering the entire association on a conference and right. hoping that it comes out, uh, right. Financially <laughs> positive. But at the same time, like what, uh, what, what other profession, you know, could pivot like we have to, right. That's right. And just make that. Okay. Cool. Throw it at me, adapt and overcome. We'll make a change and figure it That's out. Right. So That's the best part about it. You know, we're planning and we're pre-planning and going over it in my head and then we launch and then, you know, we'll we'll adjust. And, you know, we've had to do that. We've had to shut things down. We've had to shut spending down and really tighten the belt until we can get back in a better financial position and start moving things forward. And there's really a lot of great stuff that's going on within the association. I know a lot of great stuff is going on with you guys too. And a- another thing, you know, so Nick walks in the door and the first thing that he does is he brings a bottle of whiskey. And for anybody that listens to the podcast knows that Marcus loves to mock me about as I'm learning to uh, drink whiskey that he's forcing me into. And uh, so Nick said he was going to bring a bottle of peanut butter whiskey, but uh, he brought a bottle of uh, of whiskey. And can you tell me a little bit about it? My pronouncer is Fraser Valley. Yep. Fraser Valley uh, Distilling, and it's pretty awesome, called Indecision Whiskey. Uh, so thanks for bringing that, man. I'm going to definitely, uh, definitely give that a shot. It looks like it's... Um, seen here produced out of Fraser Valley Distilling in Fraser, Colorado. Is that close to home for you? Yeah, that's actually where I grew up, um, up in the mountains. So anybody from Colorado, Winter Park and Mary Jane are uh, the big ski resorts there. I actually lived on the Mary Jane Ski Resort for the first 10, 12 years of my life. Okay. Like just out my back door and go skiing. Um, so that's kind of where I grew up. Um, so they have a lot of good breweries out there. Um, they have a lot of good distilleries out there, you know, Breckenridge is out there, but it's like i I'm gonna bring something a little more, a little closer to home, and uh, like I said, it wasn't. I couldn't find peanut butter whiskey up there. I don't think they make it. So, uh, yeah, I would imagine not, buddy. Because uh, it, it, it really weighed heavily. I was like, God, oh, do I need to bring the peanut butter? No. Yeah. So I settled on that one, and uh, they've been great. Um, just a smaller distillery up there, but that's one of the bottles that I've been drinking. It's, it's one that I like. So I figured you guys would would like it too. Well, thanks, so. man. I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you doing that. So it's cool getting to to chat with you. And like I said, this. This year we'll see where uh, where this relationship goes, but Cato plans on coming out to to your training as well and seeing how things can go there. So, you know, it's um, I don't really know, you know, all, all the things that you guys are are facing in your area, you know, but my gut tells me that it's probably not a whole lot different. Um, that what the things that um, that we see are probably very similar to the things that that you guys see. I don't know. Uh, where you are legislatively, we feel that in California we are legislatively restricted more than um, most other places are. Um, we feel like we're in one of the most litigious places in the world, 
Um, so it changes and it impacts how we have to react, how we can still be um, proactive, how we can still serve, how we can still uh, be impactful. But um, we do feel we do feel limited and we feel hamstrung um, in how we can operate. So um, that's a big portion of the association's challenges, try to, to work through that and provide training through that. So um, what are you guys facing over there in, in your, uh, your area of the country? Yeah, so um, we actually beat you guys at something. I think we were the first state um, to have a police reform bill. Okay. Um, we, we won that contest. So it's guys, a race so. between uh, California <laughs> yes. and Colorado right now. So if anybody's <laughs> listening in, uh, in other portions of free America, you know, enjoy it. Yeah. And it was, um, it was a, a, um, a hard pill to swallow initially, um, because there was so much of a rush, there was no definition. Right. And we know in law enforcement, what, how we get guidelines and definitions right. is someone has to go through it. And so everybody's looking around going, well, am I going to be the first one right. that they make that the definition based off of. So they've subsequently had to pass another bill with some some clearer definitions, but it's still not, um, I can tell you we lost qualified immunity um, at the federal level. So, and when I say we lost it, they have pushed all those lawsuits now really to go through the state. So we don't have that qualified immunity. Um, uh, you're covered, originally they, you were gonna be um, responsible for the first 25,000 of the lawsuit. Um, and, um, now they've said your department can, um, indemnify you on your actions. Um, some local police departments have worked with their FOP to have, you know, some of that on retainer and, um, pay a little extra into their FOP, but, um, we're, we're dealing with very similar and it's not, um, the bill is not clearly defined, um, cause we can't even get answers from our, um, attorney from our attorneys locally or state level about what, because it's so broad in the definition. Um, for example, there's um, a limit on uh, the application of deadly force when it presents harm to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So as a sniper, like what's, does that count when you're taking a hostage shot, sure. um, active shooter? So there's not a clear definition on that. And we, as the president, we took that up when Senate Bill 217 got passed and tried to get the answers went to attorneys and you know said prosecutors and said what what does this mean for not only law enforcement for but for this the SWAT world and we really couldn't get any answers so we're just kind of working through it and waiting to see what happens and um, um, we originally we had consensual contacts taken away from us in the bill um, that's now back in um, which was um, I can tell you from a lot of agencies around they didn't really with that loss of the qualified immunity consensual contacts weren't really a thing anymore. Um, law enforcement, we, it, it turned. It, we, guys started not being as proactive. And it was unfortunate because... I'm sure I know you saw that, a corresponding crime increase associated with those type of no, things. No, not at all. No, right. everything was fine, right? Right. But we had, you know, how do we navigate that just for, uh, speaking for my department, I'm a commander over there, is that um, just for my department, how do you navigate that, right? When the citizens are calling in and expecting a level of service, but we have to change how we have that level of service and how, what's that explanation look like to them? I'm like, okay, we used to respond to those type of calls, but because of certain legislation, we currently can't, or we just have to be careful how we respond. So sure. um, uh, we work with a lot of good agencies and everybody's responded well. Um, and we're, we're on the up, 
uptick coming back on that. So it's still there. It's in the back of our minds, obviously, but uh, it's uh, and it coincided with COVID, right? So sure. there's a little downfall there. But um, yes, we still have the 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 legislation. Not as bad as you guys have it, right? Yeah, um, you're describing a lot of the things that we've we've walked through over the last couple of years as well, and some of the legislative concerns. And you know, it's you know, there's an initial reaction to that, right? But philosophically, nobody's opposed to the oversight. We're not opposed to standards and having those standards. The lack of clarity is definitely a little bit uh, is definitely a little bit frustrating. That's a big portion of the challenge that we have to be able to to work through. But you know, as a professional organization, we believe in standards, and oftentimes our standards are going to be more significant than what the law can provide. Because as practitioners, we care about what we're doing and how we do it, and we want to make sure that we're doing uh, things correctly. So we're not opposed to that, but being able to have some of that clarity um, at the statewide level would be helpful. And, and we really do have an interest in trying to work synergistically with um, you know politicians in our post to be able to to come up with something to to be able to serve well and to serve the spirit of what's trying to be accomplished um, because we don't want to see a, a depolicing thing that you talked about here where people just put their hands up and go, well, fine, I'm not going to do anything then. That doesn't do anything to protect the people that we're here to serve. And and uh, that's not, you know, it's kind of a defeatist attitude, you know, so um, we definitely don't want to, to go down that road as well. It sounds like that's something you guys are working towards as well on the uh, on the, the tactical officers association side um, what do you guys what are you guys seeing so we're seeing a lot more push on uh, technology good um, it's you know I don't think we have really any teams in our state that are doing that dynamic first um, I think everybody's pretty good on that and we've pushed it enough with it and NTOA's yeah. pushed that out is that we're seeing a lot more surrounding call outs um, we're seeing um, definitely a lot more tech in the state and um, working with that. Um, we've had our share of um, active shooters in the past year and um, we've lost a couple officers in, in the past year and um, working through some of that is um, one of the goals that I've had of, you know, we are a Rocky Mountain Tactical Team Association, but I know at my agency, we teach the officers, patrol officers raid. We teach them the raid tactics. So why can't we be doing that as an association? So we've kind of made that switch to help some of the officers. Good. Um, but as far as the um, tax side is, is going, we're in a pretty good place. Uh, we've got a lot of support out there in Colorado um, for the team. We haven't had a lot of, we haven't had that, a lot of conversations on that demilitarization and um, labeling equipment as military. We have a couple teams that are in the 1033 program minimally, um, but I, as the president, the I've talked with commanders, and I don't know of anybody that's really coming really under fire for that yet. Um, I can tell you there, are, we're fielding a lot of questions about the DJI, with the technology. We're fielding sure. a lot of what's the unknown. Should we be buying not, not DJI? Should we? Should we? Is it safe? And we can't really answer a lot of those questions yet. So. Um, as a state and uh, um, a tactical community, uh, we're doing really well out there. Um, we, the legislation hasn't hit us good that hard. It's just as a commander, you just got to think of a, a different way to way to do business. But yeah, we've we've dealt with the militarization component here with us, and and even some of the the deadly force use of force um, application standards um, that we've been talking about as well for the last couple of years. So it's interesting to hear that you guys are going through. Um, going through that as well. 
Wow. Yeah, it's too, it's funny. I guess we're not that we're not that far off. No, generally, if California does something, we you know hold my beer. We'll we'll, we'll try. <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> we're right. We're right there with you. Um, but it's. I mean, it's it's. Um, we've got great support. Um, I think overall, um, there are you know obviously there are some cities that um, are going through some issues with the city council or um, maybe some of their leadership, and that's one of the things that we had talked about coming out here is seeing that uh, certification, well, I guess, review process that you guys do of teams to really talk to those executives and those chiefs about, hey, where, where are some of those gaps that we can fill in and how can we fill in some of those gaps to protect you as a, as an organization? Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, and, you know, we were talking about it off air um, just a, a little bit ago with some of the other guys and, and talking about the willingness to have somebody come in and, and take a look at things, right? You know, a third party, objective point of view and it's not a lot of people still not a lot of agencies are always proactive and, and open um, to have somebody come in and take a look but I do think that it's good to have somebody who's has the their credibility but somebody who also has um, the professional background the knowledge to be able to come in and, and take a look and and poke around and you want somebody within your industry doing that before you have some additional third party uh, coming in and, and taking a look at that. So I do think the review process is um, is healthy, and I think that teams should be should be open to, to taking a look at that. Um, you see a few more teams get become more open to it after a critical incident has occurred, something is bad. But we were talking about it's still the exception and not the rule for an agency that even when something bad has happened, to, to invite somebody in and, and to, to take a look at it or to be able to debrief it themselves. You know, we're hearing more and more inc incidents of, terrible things that have happened at agencies and five, six, seven years later, they're still not even having internal debriefs, let alone coming and, and talking about it publicly. But several of the debriefs we have here, we are having people coming in and, and sharing the, the things that didn't go well. And that's truly where the lessons learned. We're all kind of designed to want to come and talk about how great our teams are and how great things um, can be. But those lessons learned from things that went wrong, that's, that's really what gets people's attention and really what moves the industry and the profession forward. So I, I do, um, I, I do think that it's great. And, and you guys are going to be sharing, uh, you've offered to share some, some things with us and, and we have some things we want to share and, and learn um, from you guys. Cause I know you've had some really unique incidents and things that were, that have happened um, in, in your communities there in Colorado. We've got a lot we can learn from you. Yeah. And you know, um, that, that debrief piece of it is, you know, that's kind of the biggest complaint we get at our conferences is that our debriefs are so old and some of the guys just don't understand, you know, there's the criminal process, there's litigation, that things that need to be finalized before they can be authorized to um, debrief some of the things. But, you know, one of my, my biggest complaints, I guess, is with the review process of a team or even with some of these debriefs is, it's almost like we're hoarding the information and keeping it in because we don't want to admit our mistakes because if we admit our, admit our mistakes, then we're giving, you know, uh, ammunition for the lawsuits. And, and we They've all know they're, they're going to get it anyway, right? It, but I, I'd, I'd rather have Brent come in and take a look at my team and get for whatever. I'll just, I mean, we pay $10,000 or whatever it is as opposed to now I'm talking to an attorney and it's costing us $7 million because we didn't have that initial, right? So where is it? Where's the most bang for your buck to, to benefit and, and help your association and, yeah, and your is organization? The, is the concern beating the lawsuit, which is a concern, right? But 
or is your concern to, to make things better and to right. make it right and to make sure that it doesn't happen again? And right. I would argue that's where the concern should be. Let's make sure we are doing the right thing and we're doing doing things correctly more than trying to make sure that we're we're saving the finances. But I understand, you know, saving the finances component, but that shouldn't be the main goal. It, no, it, it absolutely shouldn't. And it's, you know, I, I don't know how we get out of that mindset of like just hoarding the information and, and getting it out there and letting people learn from it and saying, yeah, you know what, we did mess up and here's how we fixed it. And, you know, yeah, it costs us a little bit. Sometimes, you know, costs the, the life of an officer, which is unfortunate. And those are the hard ones. Those are the real hard ones to debrief is is because it does bring up a lot of that emotion for the people involved. And um, it's tough. It's, it's it, I mean, there's that fine line because, as you said, you know, um, Sunday night I got the news um, and uh, of the conference, and he was supposed to be in the conference the following day. And we had a lot of uh, conversations about what's the right thing to do. Like, how do we honor him? Because um, he was supposed to be at the conference. We had his name tag and everything. Was I had talked to him a couple of days before getting ready to come. And when's the right time, right? Then that's what we've had those conversations with the debriefs is when is the right time and how do we honor them by giving that debrief and giving that information out? And I still haven't found the right answer, right? Yeah. It's and, and it's probably going to be different for everybody, but just having that willingness to share at some point that I'm certain that these are people that were dedicated to training, these people that were dedicated to professionalism, that were dedicated to their teams and would want any possible lesson that could be learned to be shared and to be learned. And I think that if we're not going to share those type of things, and you're right, there's going to be emotion that's going to come from that. There's going to be heartbreak that's going to come from that. But if we're not talking about those things as an industry, we're, you know, we're dooming those people personally as well, the people on the team that feel that level of responsibility, that feel that level of, of, friendship and professional responsibility we're, we're, we're dooming them in their personal lives as well these are people that have to get that information out i would say intellectually professionally but also personally you got to be able to, to 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 get some of that stuff out or, or we're gonna end up breaking our people right i'm gonna end up we have had a documented history of breaking our people for not being able to speak about those things and i'm hopeful that as an industry as we're talking more about the wellness component associated with our work and the things that are out there that we're taking some of that stigma away from being able to have that, have that conversation and show some humanity. Yeah. Well, I know we do it for our team. I, I, sometimes I laugh as I'm like, okay, so you guys just went through, let's say you did a high risk warrant for the narcotics unit. You're going to go back and debrief that thing, right? You can go back and debrief. Okay. Hey, you know, you missed that corner. You should have cleared that cabinet on secondaries, tertiaries. We're going to, go back and debrief it and learn how we get better. But when something really bad happens, that's where we draw the line. Like, oh, nope, we're not going to go there. We'll only debrief to a certain point. But once, you know, X happens, whatever that is, we're not going to debrief past that piece of it. So it, it's it's not, fun, not funny to me. It's not the right terminology. But it's interesting to me that we'll draw that line in the sand of like, okay, we'll yep. debrief to this point. But anything happens above that, yeah, we're we're just not gonna debrief. Yeah, that's we still have some work to do in moving moving the needle of the culture in that regard. And the only answer I have is to do the very best we can to model it, right. you know, and to show it and to create those opportunities to be able to to have that. And hopefully, people are taking it back um, to their shops and starting to to do it there and moving that. So as an organization, that's something that we try to model and something we try to invite people who are willing to model that. And and 
hopefully we can, like I said, move, move the needle forward on that. And that's huge on bringing the, those debriefs in and seeing that, right? Of like, hey, here's how we messed up and it was, it was bad, right? Um, and they're sitting in that classroom at Cato or RMTTA and listening to some of these bigger teams and like, oh man, yeah, these guys are able to address it and, and speak openly about it. Maybe that gives them a little more firepower and a little more drive to share that and say, okay, it is um, okay to talk about because you're right, the wellness and um, just the mental well-being of our profession is, it's, I'm, I'm not sure when we're going to get past that stigma because it's, I mean, I've been in job for 19 years and we've been preaching it and we're getting better, but we have, we have a long ways, long to, ways go. to go. You know, there's a, a, a quote that came from one of the, uh, the operators that I met earlier from a very professional team, the RCMP and, uh, you know, inter internationally. And they said, you know, a professional tactical team will come and talk about their failures just as much as they'll talk about their successes. And just being able to have that as a, a little bit of a, of a reminder and a mantra is, is helpful. So when's your guys' conference? So we uh, do ours either the first week or second week of August. Uh, we will not be doing it next year, unfortunately, with uh, NTOAs coming out, and they'll be at the Gaylord. Um, I think it's the 27th, the last week of August into September. Um, it's just too close. Um, too much overlap. There's a lot of overlap. We would lose a, a prim probably most of our vendors. Uh, we have some good uh, dedicated vendors over the years that would do both, um, but then we're having them make a decision, the other vendors of, okay, pick one, NTOA or RMTTA, and um, N2A is really good at what they're doing, and um, it's a good opportunity for our region to see some of those debriefs and bring in that we may not otherwise be able to bring in as RMTTA, um, just because we don't have the connections yet and um, some of the funding. But um, and they can learn from world class instructors. I mean, N2A has some really good instructors. So um, we we figured financially for departments because that's a big piece right now is that budget just easier to take the year off of the conference um, but we can then pivot and now as a president I can focus on our some of our bread and butter tracks throughout the year um, like our basic SWAT school command um, TL uh, patrol uh, sergeant response or supervisor response to critical incidents some of the things that you know we'll talk about offline and um, creating the, that curriculum and that class so that we have those standalone tracks throughout the year as opposed to just being an association that has a couple meetings a year and then here's our conference um, because we owe it to our association. You know, I'm, I'm just the face of this association. That's it. You know, I, I don't really have bosses, but I do, right? I, I, I work for the association That's and right. those commanders and um, we need to get that product out there because it, it, they need it, right? We need to get these up and coming leaders, especially um, in training these patrol sergeants because for my team, I always tell our patrol guys, we're 45 minutes out. That's right. You got to take care of it for 45 minutes. And by the time we get there, generally, it's just seeing stability at that point. That's a big portion of what I feel on the Cato side, too, is that, you know, what started this organization is tactical teams, and that'll continue to be our bread and butter. But that tactics belong to everyone. They don't just be belong to SWAT teams. They belong to patrol officers and to traffic officers and to investigators and school resource officers. And that we have a responsibility for those who get this extra 20 hours of training a month or those on our full-time teams or whatever it is to be able to bring that to um, you know, our, our line level officers for that first initial um, focus of effort and that, that response and, and how we're going to handle critical incidents. So I think you're, I think you're wise for being able to, uh, to focus on that stuff. So that's, that's great to hear. Um, now your association, you were telling me a little bit before it's mostly centered and it's pretty much exclusively Colorado. 
Yeah, so one of the things that um, when I, again, going back to Pat, Pat recommended is that um, you should have an overhaul of your by, bylaws and just make sure you're doing, because again, we're cops running a, a nonprofit. Right. It generally doesn't work out very well. So um, we lucked out. Um, we have CU is in our backyard in Boulder, and they had a program at their law school that would just take on nonprofits as a project for students. So students got to, we put our name kind of, resume behind it and said, hey, here's what we're looking for. And the, you know, the first two days, the students get to pick the nonprofits. Well, we're competing against nonprofits that are, I mean, it's a SWAT nonprofit that has tactical vehicles and stuff. So uh, from what I heard, they're fighting over our Yeah, yeah that's right. right. Like, you offer them a day at the range yeah. or something, and they're happy to come and help. So we got two really, really good um, uh, law students from CU that really did a dive in. And one of the things I didn't know when I took over is that Wyoming – has been included in our, um, we're supposed to have um, membership and board representation from Wyoming. Um, they do a pretty good job of coming down. Gillette's team comes down. I think Cheyenne's come down a couple times, but just expanding that out again, um, I, I, I have been lazy in that and not really getting up there to talk to them and trying to figure out where that, that we can bridge that gap between them and us. Uh, I know Nebraska and Kansas, uh, they, they have the Heartland um, Association, and then Texas, obviously, South, and um, just reaching out to all the presidents and getting on the same page. And, you know, you guys in uh, Texas and Ohio that I've talked to, I mean, it's an open invitation if anybody wants to come out to any of our classes, and we'll send instructors to you guys, too, if you need them, um, or debriefs um, at any point in time. So um, we are working with Wyoming to get some of that um even send them our basic, you know, I've, I've, we've created the skeleton for it. We just need instructors, which is easy. Find out who's your SME in the area for team movement, and they'll teach the team movement for a couple of days. So um, we're trying to get back in um, relationship with Wyoming to see what what we can provide them. And um, it might be minimal. It might be creating another, you know, Wyoming has their own. But um, right now it's just it, it's Colorado on how we re- rewrote our, our bylaws because um, logistically it was just, at the time, we just weren't, we didn't have anything in place to be expanding out to Wyoming. Um, you guys have been very fortunate. Uh, Ohio is very fortunate. Texas, of having um, those relationships and uh, areas to be able to have the conference. We're pretty limited um, as far as ranges and law enforcement venues in Colorado that we could have a huge conference um, we have one that's a Highlands Ranch Law Enforcement Training Facility, uh, but it's also a nonprofit. And there are a lot of teams that train there and a lot of agencies that train there and just do like their in-service there. So it, it, the competition is to get on those ranges is, is tough, but um, um, getting in front of that board and building that relationship, I've been able to secure some of those ranges um, because we've had years that uh, actually two years ago, I lost two venues and three weeks prior to the conference. So I had 60 students. I had to figure out where where to put them, and I'm not sure if California's having the same issues we are, but finding venues for oh, yeah. training is it's a nightmare, oh, let, yeah, alone, let alone a conference. Well, there's right? a so, reason that we're a California association. We're having our conference in Reno, man. Right. You know, so California is a big state. We've been centralized in Southern California is generally where we have our, our conferences, but we do recognize a big portion of our membership belongs to central and northern california so we want to be serviced but it becomes cost prohibitive trying to have conferences anywhere up in in northern california so moving to reno makes sense financially to be able to 
to, to do it. So we have very similar, um, yeah. very similar issues that we have, but, um, you know, I think it's really great hearing what you're saying that you're trying to facilitate and work through all these, these different things, man. And I think that's a big portion of, of your role and the association's role is to reaching out to other agencies and bridging those gaps and filling those gaps with other states and other associations. So we have the same goal. So if anybody, uh, anybody happens to be listening to this, um, you know, outside of uh, California and Rocky mountain and, and you're, uh, involved with your association, reach out to Nick and I, and let's see what we can do to continue to create some opportunities to be able to train and to, to learn from each other. Cause I feel a, a tremendous burden that a big portion of our role is to facilitate a lot of this training, just to, to learn from each other and make our profession better. Um, and, uh, we're, we're much better when, when we work together in, in, uh, in, in those regards. And I've found that, you know, there's definitely some subtle differences with what, can be done with some philosophy and um, legal standards, but TAC guys are, and and TAC officers and are the same wherever right. you yeah. wherever you, wherever you go, whatever state yeah. you're in, they're they're, they're the same. So um, I think there's uh, a lot more um, that we're on the same page on than than not is is generally what I've found. No, a hundred percent, and it's you know just like I said, anything building the relationships is going to make your job that much easier in all law enforcement, no matter what you do. And that's reaching out and just getting to know guys and having that FaceTime and, you know, having the support at home also, right? Yeah. And traveling that's all right. right, all right. And just, um, I've got two younger ones at home, so. Makes it hard to uh, be gone. It, 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 it does. And, you know, it's, for me, one of the things that we talk about as an association is uh, my name's on it and it's not going to suck. Right. I, I just won't. And, but it, that's a lot, a lot of commitment because Neither one of us here gets paid for what we That's do. That's right. It's a full-time it's, job on top of your full-time it, it job. It is. Right. You're doing it because you care. Right. And you got to have those like-minded people on your board You've got to as, as your regional reps. And, and and sometimes you have to have those hard conversations of like, hey, it's, it's probably time for you um, to vacate your position yeah. and let's get but, someone in there because, and it's no fault of your own, but we're just in, you know, the vision and the where we're moving is just, it's not right for you at this time. A hundred percent, man. There's the people that are drawn to this organization are all great officers and they're great people. But like you said, you're taking on extra work on top of your extra work. And the people that are drawn to these organizations are the people that put their hand up and they take on the extra work in their, in their departments as well and trying to manage all the, the time component to it. So you know, everybody gets different assignments at different times. It might not be a good fit for them, but that's a big portion of just making sure that we're picking people within the organization who have the time and the, the capacity and the willingness to be able to, give just a little bit more and push a little bit more and being able to manage that as an organization and move things forward. So we're very fortunate here, here within um, our organization. It's taken us a couple of years to get back towards that where we have representation of people all throughout the state. You know, they're active in current law enforcement and uh, we will move it forward. So I'm, I'm excited about where we're going. I'm excited about building a relationship with you uh, moving forward. Thanks for coming to the conference. Thanks for taking some time to to chat with me. I wanted to be able to introduce you to our listeners and see where it goes from here, man. So enjoy the rest of the conference and thanks for making some time. Yeah. Anytime. Next time I come out, make sure I'll have the peanut butter whiskey for both of <laughs> you guys. Actually, I'll bring it just for Marcus. Yeah, bring it just for Marcus. Just for Marcus. Yeah, he, he needs the it. other Sprague. The right? other Sprague, the, yeah. the lesser Sprague. Yes. Uh, or as John says, you know, the good Sprague and the not so good Sprague. So, That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, thanks for making the time, man. I look yeah. forward to talking with you soon. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Thank you for listening to the Cato Podcast. To become a member of Cato, check out our website at catonews.org. If you have a topic suggestion, please send them to podcast at catonews.org. 
If you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and rate us on the platform of your choice.